I received Jesus Christ as my Savior uh, when uh, I was a child and then got baptized when I was in high school. Uh, This is me later in college uh, at the U of A on the wrestling team. Uh, I I share this with you because in a few moments I'm going to share a story that happened this past week where I got a chance to talk about Jesus to one of my college buddies. Uh, Can you pick out which one is me? Don't say anything. Don't say anything, but can you pick out which one is me? So I'll give you a little bit of... I'm going to tell, share a text from Dell. Dell is in the lower left-hand corner. Dell Brummett ended up becoming an NCAA champion. Uh, my best was around sixth in the nation, but he became one of the, uh, the top. I'm in the other right-hand corner uh, from my college wrestling team. Go back, if you would, uh, up in the right-hand corner. In just a moment, I'll share a text with you about just simply talking about Jesus. Uh, You've got to keep it up, no matter where you're at. So if you would, please, uh, I want you to write in your sermon guide, write this down. Number one, some people, some people believe in Jesus. Some people believe in his miracles. And some people do not. So listen to me, no matter what you say or no matter what you do, no matter how many miracles Jesus does or will do, people will not believe, some people. And you've got to accept that. Don't don't get upset with that. You still keep speaking the truth in love, but it's a reality. John chapter 9 verse 10 is an example of some people that are what I would call truth rejectors. So John chapter 9, verse 10, this is the story of the blind man, blind from birth, that Jesus miraculously allows him to see again. John chapter 9, verse 10, so they, they there is a group of truth rejectors called Pharisees. They were saying to him, that's the blind man, he's now a believer He's a believer because of the miracle of Jesus. And these anti-biased, these are anti-Jesus, these biased judges, these Pharisees, they asked the question to the blind man, how then were your eyes opened? So you see there, there's two groups of people. There's the blind man, and then there's the truth rejectors. The blind man believes. He believes because he got new eyes from Jesus. Now, friends, you're just going to have to put your arms around a miracle. Look at verse 11. The blind man answered, The man who is called Jesus made mud and anointed it, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam. That's about a half mile south of the Temple Mount. Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed, and I received sight. Now, get this. Brand new eyes. This is a physical healing. It's a physical healing, and it's also a spiritual redemption story. You've got to back up and say, is this logical? Every one of you think for a moment and ask the question, is this miracle logical? What would the scientists say today? Is this miracle reasonable? Is this miracle logical? Can you verify this miracle by science? 
And the answer is, can science prove this miracle? The answer is no. It's not logical. What you've got to realize is this blind man pushes past logic. He defies reason. He overcomes doubt, and by faith he puts his trust, he believes in what Jesus said. It's the same challenge that you and I have every day. You've got to push past logic and believe what Jesus says. Believe what the Word of God says. Verse 12, and they, the truth rejecters, said to the blind man, now a believer, now a seer, where is he? He said, I don't know. So there's no idea where Jesus is right now, but he believes. Now get this, there's no party here. There's no celebration that he can see. Doesn't that baffle you? Here's a beggar that's been blind all of his life, and everybody has walked past him numerous times at the gates, and he can now see, and nobody is celebrating. There's not a party going on. He believes in the miracle working power of Jesus, but nobody else is standing there talking about it. The miracle of new eyes help him trust in Jesus. Now, what I want you to do, I want you to stay with me. If you have your Bible on your smartphone or your iPad or your your open Bible or your sermon notes, I want you to go to the end of the book of John. You've got to understand the same for 2,000 years ago is the same today. John chapter 20, verse 31. We're living just like they lived with logic. We're living today just like they lived with reason. They had their own logic, their own reason. John chapter 20, verse 31. If I were you, I would put a star next to this verse in your Bible or in your notes. Somehow star this verse. John 20, 31. Got it? But these have been written, these is a reference to the miracles, the words of Jesus, and the record of the truth rejectors. But these have been written, this book of John has been written, so that you, Roger, you, Brian, you put your name there, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So, back up. Miracles help you believe. They're they're intended to bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to look at one more verse at the end of the book of John. John chapter 21. Go to verse 24, and you should star this verse and verse 25. Here's verse 24. This is the disciple. That would be John the apostle who wrote this book of John, who is testifying Here's another star witness about these things and wrote these things. And we know the we there refers to other followers of Jesus Christ. And we know that his testimony, John's testimony is true. So you have literally miracles and you have the story of Jesus in the book of John. And these people 2000 years ago are saying it's true. Friends, it defies logic. Scientists will not buy into this because they can't prove it. I, John, saw this with my own eyes, and I certify this to be true. That's faith. 
And you've got to put your faith into practice and believe what the Word of God says. Even when logic says don't, even when reason says don't, you believe what the Word of God says. Now, verse 25. But there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I expect, John says, that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. See, the fact is, the reality is, never forget this. Some people do not believe. It's just a fact. You've got to realize heaven does not accept everyone. Heaven only accepts those people who genuinely believe. And God does not forgive everyone. And everyone enters heaven, as I'll share with you in a text in a few moments from one of my college buddies. Some people reject the truth. They even hate They even despise. They even attack 2,000 years ago and today. Now, back to John 9, 13. They, that is, they, the attackers, they, the truth rejectors, excuse me, they brought the man who was previously blind to the Pharisees. Now, at this point, the they there refers to, guess what? Not the Pharisees. Who does they refer to? Somebody say it. Say it. Not sure, are you? If you look back at verse 8, the they there is neighbors. Neighbors were not believing. These neighbors did not believe in the miracles, and they bring this blind man to the Pharisees. So why did the neighbors bring the blind man to the biased anti-Jesus people? Why? Why? Write this down. Number two. Truth rejectors make laws to punish anyone who believes Jesus is God. Don't doubt that today, do you? And you don't doubt that 2,000 years ago. And you can go back in the Old Testament and see that nation after nation conquered Israel because they didn't believe in the God of Israel. John chapter 9, verse 17. Watch this. And they said again to the man who is blind... Now, they here is a reference to the Pharisees, the biased judges. We saw this last week. What do you say about him since he opened your eyes and the blind man said he's a prophet? That was the highest title, the highest position the blind man could give about Jesus. Verse 18. The Jews then did not believe it about him that he had been blind. They thought he was faking it. They thought at one time he could see and then he pretended and he begged at the gate in order to get man money. He just pretended like he was blind, that he had received sight until they called. See that word called there in the Greek? That is summoned. This is a legal term for forcing someone to come before a tribunal and be judged. They are forced to testify until they called the parents of the very one who had received his sight. There's new eyes given, but there's still no celebration. So look at verse 21. But how he sees, the parents say to the Pharisees, how he sees we do not know, or we, or who opened his eyes we do not know. And then the parents will not go public. They know the story. The neighbors know the story. Everybody knows the story that Jesus healed the blind man. But the parents won't say it. So the parents say, ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. In other words, the parents are going to stick their neck out. Verse 22. His parents said this because, watch this, they, the parents, were afraid of the Jews. 
For the Jews had already reached the decision that if anyone confessed Jesus to be Christ, that person would be excommunicated from the synagogue. Verse 23. It was for this reason that his parents said, He is of age, ask him. They're afraid to take a stand. Friends, you see two things very clear right here. Number one, the parents will not give Jesus the credit. They just won't do that. I'm asking you, I'm imploring you, I'm challenging you. Will you, 2,000 years later, give Jesus the credit? You see, they're afraid of punishment. It's the same peer pressure punishment today. We might lose our job. Somebody may not like me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the second thing we see, the neighbors did not. The neighbors did not give Jesus the credit. Hit that next slide. I think I've got another slide there. There it is. So the parents and the neighbors knew before the miracle took place, they knew that a law was enacted and that punishment would come to anyone who said they agreed with Jesus. They knew this before the miracle. So the neighbors bring the blind beggar to the powerful Pharisees. They're the judges of the Sanhedrin. There's a biased interrogation against the parents. The parents are not going to give Jesus the credit. The neighbors disappear from the story, and it just proceeds into just more. Oh my gosh, what's going on? Where's the courage? Because man makes a law, you can't talk about Jesus in a positive way. But you can talk about Jesus in a negative way, right? There's no difference between today and then. Many, if not most, will not believe in Jesus, but some will. And there's a wide range of reasons why people don't believe in Jesus. But listen, if you're going to believe in Jesus, you've got to go beyond logic. You've got to go beyond science. You've got to go to the supernatural. There's no way around it. He's God in the flesh. You've got to go Literally, divinity, deity. You got to go there. So let me share with you Thursday. I get a text message from Dell. Dell uh, is my, uh, one of my college buddy wrestlers years ago at the U of A. And here's the text from Dell. Dell says, Roger, John Ulrich passed away last Saturday from a stroke. And complications. There will be a memorial service on the 21st of November at 11 a.m. at St. Pius Church. I text back, thank you, so sad, praying for his family. So how many on our team has died? Dale responds, Paul Wagger, Bob Blair, Mike Burgoon, John Ulrich, Jeff Lawrence, Bruce Bogaisky, Bill Bell, the coach and the coach's wife, Violet, and Dale says, and I'll try to remember others. Now, if you wrestle for several years, the team is more than just 12 players or 10 players or whatever. I replied back, and I text back, and Albert Sy, next slide, there it is. Dell responds back, how can I not remember Al? I text back to Dell, 
You remembered many more than I did. Life is short and fragile. And then I make this statement. Follow Jesus from earth to heaven. Now, Dell knows my testimony. He knows I'm a pastor. He knows who, what I believe in. Matter of fact, all the guys back in college did. And then I make this statement. About one hour ago, I published this on YouTube. This would be Thursday, or Thursday morning when I do my walk and talks. Uh, they're published on Facebook. They're published on YouTube. And I said this. About one hour ago, I published this on YouTube. I, I do one talk, walk and talk, every Thursday morning. This last Thursday was walk and talk number 34 from, the, from Isaiah chapter 6. Those three amazing words, holy, holy, holy. And so I went literally from Isaiah 6, 1, down to about 7 or 8, and just explained what the passage was all about. Perfection, perfection, perfection. That's God. And then Dell responded, and I also sent the YouTube clip, the, the link, so that Dell could look if he wanted to. Notice what Dell says. Yes, sir. We keep our friends close in life and the hereafter. As long as I can remember them, they will still be with me. Love you guys. What's missing? No testimony for Jesus. There's no credit given for Jesus. Dell and I have a great relationship. We're very, very positive. He just doesn't believe. Some people will believe and some people don't. Now, I want you to look back with me at John 9, 22. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already reached the decision that if anyone confessed him to be Christ, he was to be excommunicated from the synagogue. Write this down. Number three, truth rejectors rule by lying and continue to manipulate the system to reject Jesus. They did it then, they've done it throughout history, they'll do it today. Truth rejectors. Look at verse 22 again, right there in the middle. For the Jews had already reached the decision, it was publicly known before this miracle, that if anyone confessed him to be the Messiah, Christ, that person was to be excommunicated from the synagogue, verse 23. It was for this reason that his parents said, he is of age, ask him. The Pharisees hate Jesus. Jesus is a fraud. That's what people believe today. Jesus doesn't do real miracles. They're fake miracles. You see, if you believe in Jesus, you'll be labeled and removed from your special group, wherever it's at, work, family, neighborhood. Just try it. Like then, powerful, biased people summons the parents, they summons the blind man, and they put pressure on him not to believe. Did you know here in America, studies after studies show 60% of Americans have opinions that they are afraid to share. 60% of Americans have opinions that they are afraid to share. Conservatives, 77% of the conservatives in America are afraid to share their opinion. Now stay with me. How many times do you fear, do you choose not to say something to give Jesus credit 
It's easy to do. Number four, the truth rejectors ramp up pressure. Again, they legally attack and punish the blind street beggar. Look at this in verse 24. So for a second time, these truth rejectors, these Pharisees, these biased judges, watch this, for a second time they summon. There it is. This is a legal right that they had to bring anybody into court. They summoned the man who had been blind and said to him, this is the second time. So the parents came in, the blind man left, now the blind man is called back in. Watch the phrase on this so that you learn a little bit how to defend yourself. Notice the pressure that's put is all the way back from the Old Testament. Give glory to God. Give glory to God. If, if you say the truth, you're going to honor God. Give glory to God. Say the truth. We know, we Pharisees, we truth rejectors, we know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. So what, are the, what did they just do? They lied about the Old Testament, and they lied about Jesus sinning. The blind man was forced to appear a second time, and they say, this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And they say, give glory to God. Tell the truth and honor God. We know Jesus is a sinner. That's the, the logic here. So, friends, this phrase, give glory to God, we know this man is a sinner, that goes all the way back to Joshua chapter 7, verse 19. I won't have time today. The clock is ticking, but I want you to write it down. Joshua 7, 19, when a man named Achan sinned by going and stealing stuff. And they were brought before the authorities. And basically in that little phrase, Joshua said, my son, I implore you, give glory to God and tell me what you've done. So the people literally in Jesus' day go all the way back, literally to Joshua chapter 7 verse 9, to put a power move on him. Achan had stolen some money and some clothes and he lied about it and covered it up and he's not going to admit the truth. And Joshua says, look, you're standing, you have to stand before God, you're going to have to tell the truth. Look at verse 25, John 9, 25. He then answered the blind man, whether Jesus is a sinner, I do not know. I think that's a statement of truth. He didn't know Jesus, only saw Jesus literally the day of the miracle, which was either today or yesterday, some close day. Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Now get this, this beggar, no evidence of a Harvard education, he takes on the prime leaders of Israel and they hold all of the rights and fate in their hands over this man. And he's just a beginner. And he's got the courage to stand up and say, this is what Jesus did for me. He didn't have all the answers about Jesus. You don't have to have all the answers about Jesus. Verse 26, so they, the Pharisees, said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Again, they're trying to discredit him. Verse 27, the blind man answered the Pharisees, I told you already. Remember the first time, just earlier that day? And get this, you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? 
You do not want to become his disciples too, do you? You hear the little sarcasm in there? So he's standing, he's a beggar, he was blind all of his life, now he sees he's standing for the second time before the most powerful judges in Israel from everyone's perspective. And he says, I told you already what he did to me. You did not listen to me. Why do you want to hear it again? You do not want to become his disciples too, do you? Friends, this is, this is where we need to be as babes. My eyes were opened to Jesus. Your ears are closed. See, friends, just be honest. I would encourage you to be careful with sarcasm. Be careful. The blind man's not going to change his story. He's not going to change the facts. Yes, I was born blind. Jesus healed me. I don't know whether Jesus is a sinner or not, but I believe in Jesus. He's now a follower of Jesus. How many of you know um, Ryan and Shelby Webb? Next slide. Sure you do. Most of you do. You just don't recognize the name. There are recent missionaries in Papua New Guinea. This young family stayed with us for about a year or so uh, while they were on furlough, and now they're back in Papua New Guinea. Notice what's behind them, the mountain. What you need to know, that's an active volcano. And that's where they do ministry with the Monam people. And that's the people that they're witnessing, talking about Jesus to. So, it's fun. If you get into the text message with missionaries, they can now text you around the world. So Friday, these people, Ryan and Shelby Webb, they've got four kids. Ladies and gentlemen, they have, they've sold, it, sold everything out. Everything. To help someone else discover Jesus. And thank you, church, for supporting them. So I got this text message from Ryan and Shelby this past Friday from Papua New Guinea. And it says this. This is a fun message. The stove broke. The freezer is on its last leg. The freezer keeps shutting off. They're both about five years old, which isn't long. But in this humidity, they're toast. Ryan has to go to town in two days, so Lord willing, the mission base has another one of each, a stove and a freezer, in stock that we can fly down to us. Pray that way, they write. Also, thank the Lord we have finances right now to cover it. God provided last month knowing we would need it this month, Jehovah Jireh. God provides. Next message says this. Oh, Next. And the kids, four of them, will be disappointed. No pizza night that we have once a week. Unhappy face. Then the next text message. And when I say a new freezer and a stove has to come on flight, it's not just that easy. It has to get on a flight, loaded on our car, driven three hours down the coast, loaded on a boat for an hour ride, carried across the sand to our deck and into our house. I replied, 
your faithfulness inspires me. Friends, you don't have to have it all together to give Jesus credit. You don't have to be a perfect missionary wherever that may be. Just stand up for Jesus. Look at verse 28, John 9, 28. The haters spoke abusively. See that word abusively? Do a little Greek study. They vilified him. They literally cursed him. They belittled, they hated, they detested, they despised, despicable. They abused him verbally and said to him, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. And they drew back all the way to Numbers chapter 3 verse 2 to establish their great history being a Moses disciple. Look at verse 29. The haters said, We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, Jesus, we, did, we do not know where he is from. Isn't that interesting? Verse 30. The man, the believer, answered and said to this great, powerful, anti-Jesus uh, leaders, Well, here is this amazing thing, that you do not know where Jesus is from. And yet he opened my eyes. Verse 31. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if someone is God-fearing and does God's will, he will listen to him. 32. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. 33. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. 34, the truth rejectors answered the blind man, you were born entirely in sins and yet you are teaching us? So they put him out, excommunication. Number five, truth rejectors lie and attack the holiness of Jesus and they'll do that to you. They called him a sinner, they called him a fraud, he's not. Believers keep on believing They said Jesus is a sinner, he can't be God, he healed on the Sabbath, he can't be God. And the blind man says, I was blind, now I see. He stands up and gives Jesus the credit. Look at verse 24 one more time. So for a second time they summoned the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God, we know that this Jesus is a sinner. 25, and the blind man said, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I know, though I was blind, now I see. It's not logical, people. When they try to lie about Jesus, you've got to come back to the miracles. You've got to come back to the story, to the testimony in the book of John. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, crucified on a cross, buried, resurrected. He's God. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Bow your heads, please. God, I say thank you for this blind man giving me the courage not to be a coward. God, I ask that you would teach me again and every one of us not to be pressured, not to be bullied, to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. All God's people said...